It's Old Timey Crimey, Halloween Edition. All October, Christy and Scott will be trick-or-treating you to the spookiest in vintage crime. Each week in October, you'll shiver to the tales of the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, the Croglin Grange Vampire, Spring Heel Jack, and the Bell Witch. So gather round the campfire, boys and ghouls, and listen to a true spooky tale from Christy and Scott. <laughs> the Dark Stranger is a common trope in folklore, be it the witness-silencing men in black of the 1960s, the bedroom-invading shadow people of the late 1990s, or the more modern black-eyed kids. The Dark Phantoms seem to be here to stay. And if that Dark Stranger slaps the crap out of you, vomits blue flame and then jumps over a house to escape... Then that dark stranger is Spring-Heeled Jack, the Terror of London. You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's Old Timey Crimey. I'm Christy. I'm Scout. <laughs> scowl, scowl, scowl. S C A U W. Scowl. With like five extra W's afterwards. Scowl. So how's your week going? Not too bad. Not too bad. I've been having fun with stuff and just sort of sleeping and and being toasty warm under blankets. It's that time of the year where it it's is. it's really the best thing you can do is lay down and avoid the outside. <laughs> yes, I've been finding myself spending more time in bed and when I wake up in the morning because I'm like, but it's cold. Oh. It's cold out here, but it's warm under here. Yes. And it's just, oh. <laughs> and you like poke your head out. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was basically me this morning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very accurate. What about you, bud? How's your week been? Uh, well, we ordered our Halloween costumes last night. Oh, I don't dress up for Halloween. I should. Um. Yeah, we ordered our Halloween costumes. Not going to spoil it uh, because we have Halloween party every year. Uh, it's been going on for... We're closing in on two decades now. Wow. Yeah, since uh, my sophomore year of college. And uh, for, for the listeners trying to do the math, I went to college when I was eight. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> do that math. So, yeah, since my sophomore year of college. And actually, Amber was at the very first one. Oh, my God. There is a so picture. So it's, yeah. it's gone back. Amber is one of our oldest and dearest friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have known you without Amber. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I'm trying to think back to the first time I met you, and I can't remember. It was obviously at Denny's. Absolutely. It definitely was at Denny's. Yeah, it had to have been. That's where we met everybody. <laughs> exactly. It, it's gone back so far that you've just always been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same with you. I still I actually still have you on my phone as Scott Cult Leader Mort. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I was just thinking about that yesterday. I mentioned to Jackson. I was like, I still have him on my phone that way. <laughs> Every once in a while. I went by the nickname Cult Leader. The, the story is that... Uh, essentially, I almost killed a man uh, because he was laughing so hard. And I wasn't trying to. It was one of those things where I said something, the guy laughed. I said another thing, the guy laughed. And he wasn't part of the conversation. He was just <laughs> sitting in. And at the time, I had this long black trench coat on. So pretty soon, it becomes a thing where this guy who is just like laughing his ass off, now he's changing color. Mm-hmm. And instead of coming up for air between laughs, the only thing he'll do is say hail to the cult leader and then start (laughs) laughing again. 
And pretty soon it's becoming this thing where I'm like, buddy, you need to like breathe. <laughs> hey, I <like> call later. <laughs> and he ended up dying a couple of months later. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd actually ever heard the origin story of cult leader. Yeah, his name was Pat, and he had, he actually had a brain tumor. Oh. And he ended up passing away a couple of months after that. Oh my goodness. But yeah, at the time I thought I was going to kill him right then and there. <laughs> So I don't know if it was just the his inevitable mortality because he knew of that, or maybe I just gave him one last good laugh before before shuffling off. He Either just way, maybe determined to enjoy life. Yeah, and you gave him some of that enjoyment. Yeah, I got to know him. He was a jerk. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you can't say anything good about somebody, say it anyway. Yeah. That's not how the saying goes, but we'll take it. Yeah, that's that's my saying. And there was really nothing good to say about our uh, our topic this week. No, not really a lot of good here. Just a lot of could be considered shenanigans, and then mm-hmm. some some outward ripples that happened as a result of of maybe these shenanigans, or maybe they weren't. Where we'll talk about that. But yeah, not a lot of good to say. This week we are doing. Sp- as part of our Halloween spooky crimes, we are doing Spring Hill Jack. The crime here is assault. Yes, <laughs> yes, there's definitely assault. And I just want to say that the, the article um, that I got a lot from, the, the Mike Dash article, and we'll give our sources at the end of the episode, but I, I love the title, uh, the article by Mark Dash from the Fordian Studies, Spring Hill Jack. Two Victorian bugaboo from Suburban Ghost. Ooh. Any title that has the word bugaboo in it. I'm going to read that. So, even yeah. Even if it's 63 freaking pages. So, me going booga, booga, booga. Uh, kind of appropriate, really, now really? that I stop and think about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there were some predecessors of spring Jack in England. Jack-o'-lantern. There it is. Right there. Happy there Halloween, is. everybody. Uh, Jack O'Lent, Jack of the Green, all these Jacks, uh, the Comedia Trickster, the Hammersmith Ghost. The Hammersmith Ghost is the one that seems to be related to spring Jack the most. Yes, yes. I would yeah. agree with you on that. And, and the Hammersmith Ghost, we might come back and visit that at a later time. Next year this time. <laughs> yeah, because this this ghost that would be seen... It was believed to have been a suicide victim from the Hammersmith area of London. And on January 3rd, 1804, patrol officer Francis Smith, believing he sees the ghost, in modern days, of course, we use a proton pack and a ghost trap. Of course. Yeah. But no, back then, how do you get rid of a ghost? You shoot it. (laughs) I don't understand, but... this patrol officer, Francis Smith, shoots and kills bricklayer Thomas Millwood, believing him to be the ghost. Oh my gosh. This is the second stupidest murder I've ever heard of <laughs> concerning uh, the Phantoms. Um, he was found guilty and uh, he was he was convicted to death, but he ended up being commuted to one year hard labor. That's for... quite the commutation right there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm making up a word or not. I don't think I am. But that's, okay, we're going to kill you, or you're just going to, like, you know, break rocks for a year. Yeah. Like, it's very much opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And the Hammersmith ghost, why is it related to spring Jack? Because the Hammersmith ghost could be seen leaping huge distances. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't make any sense to me because ghosts kind of just repeat what they were doing in life. So maybe 
Springheel Jack died, and then he was reborn, and this is Springheel Jack's pre-ghost, <laughs> if you will. I have heard uh, several occasions of a pre-ghost. Uh, one of my uh, one of my family friends, uh, their their daughter, the the night she got pregnant, supposedly there was a child, a phantom child, running through the house, and it was saying the name. That she always picked out, like, uh... Samantha. We'll go, it was actually, she had a boy. Okay. But we'll just go, my name is Samantha Kelly, and I'm here to stay. And it would, like, run around the house saying this thing. And it was, yeah. You gave me chills, like, seven times during that. Yeah. seriously, I'm going to need to shave again tomorrow. (laughs) 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 Like, I can feel the hair growing on my legs. That that was an old family story that, like, Samantha was a ghost before she was born. Oh, my God. That's so weird. Yeah. And I've never heard anything like that before. And whenever you have... A ghost, before it's alive, I've actually learned it's called a portent or an omen. Okay, all right, yeah. 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 That makes sense. But, yeah, that with a Hammersmith ghost seems to be, possibly it was Spring-Heeled Jack. But, eh. Yeah, I don't, I don't really see it. Uh, I I don't think it was. No. And especially, we we have quite a, a distance of time here. That was 1804, I believe you said. Right. And then it wasn't until 1837, September to be precise, that they started to see around Barnes. This is a a village that's a little bit southwest of London. They started to see a a ghost or an an imp that looked like a large bull attacking people. Uh, Of course, mostly women. (laughs) Springheeled Jack did not like the fairer sex, or maybe liked them too much. Yeah, it's one or the other. Yeah. It's, it's 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 a tough call. And then you have over the next couple of months a lot more of these stories popping up all over the area in about two dozen villages. And this was pretty much at the time concentrated to the areas like south and west of London. I kind of tried to make a little map, or I considered making a map looking at it, but uh, some of these places don't even exist anymore, and it was just, it wasn't happening. So so some of these stories, uh, Cutthroat Lane, which I Jeez. love. It's where all the pirates hang out. I would also not go there, but I love it. Right um, next to Crotch Kick Alley, Jesus yeah. Christ. And I'm, Crotch Kick Alley. <laughs> Crotch kick. That's hard to say. That is. I'm impressed that you got it out on one I'm, I'm a little stunned myself, quite honestly. So I'm not going to pronounce this how I think I would pronounce it. I'm going to pronounce it how I think the Brits would pronounce it. Oh. Illsworth? That it, sounds right. To me, it looks like Islesworth, but I'm going to say Illsworth. Uh, there was a carpenter named Jones, and an armored figure wearing red shoes attacks him, and there's two other ghosts to help him out. And his clothing is absolutely torn to shreds. Wait, wait, wait. I've, I've never heard this one before. This ghost had assistant ghosts? Assistant ghosts, yes. <laughs> like, like they're the... Assistant to the ghost. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're just, they get college credit. Yes, that's yes. It's an is. internship. It's not, you know, you can put it on your resume. That's all. My name's Jack. These are my, uh, these are my interns. Corey and... Fucking Chase. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Chase. Oh, ow, that burned whenever I said it. Ow, <laughs> ow, ow. <laughs> I can't say I can't say the, the JC's name without it burning in my mouth. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, can't oh. leap from that one. Oh. 
there was actually a uh, similar report from a muffin man. Of course. Of course. The Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? Uh, I do not know the Muffin Man, but I bet the Muffin Man can. The Muffin Man absolutely can, although he can't get anybody to believe him. Is what he can't do. And he was from Hammersmith. But everybody dismissed it as a hoax. So it's like, okay, you believe, you know, one ghost, but you don't believe the Muffin Man. What's your deal, you know? Something in the water up in Hammersmith. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be. Makes the eyes shaky. They just see some old homeless guy walking down the street and they think he's (laughs) jumping away 30 feet at a time. Yeah. My theory is everyone was really drunk all the time. And so they just thought they saw things. Hey, could be. So um, then late December, early January around uh, St. John's Wood, uh, there was something, a person wearing, like, chainmail or possibly a bear. They're very similar. I can see how you would confuse the two. Uh, and then also west of London, something uh, had iron claws and attacked a blacksmith and several women. This is... I love how it's a blacksmith and, and several women. women. And they were there, too. Yes. <laughs> and they were traumatized, too. You know, just lump them in with the cattle and the house plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's us women. How many people are living here? Just three men. We've got uh, seven women. Uh, a dog, a cat, a couple of candy bars. <laughs> but just us men. <laughs> just us men, yes. So then there was more, there were more stories that uh, this, this figure, this person was dancing in the gardens of Kensington Palace and Holland Parks. And these are kind of like West, I don't know if I want to say West London or West of London, because I went down a whole rabbit hole with that, and I'm not going to get into it. Uh, Dancing in the gardens at midnight, of course. When else would you dance in the gardens of a palace? 3 a.m. seems like a really spooky time as well. It is, yeah. Anything from midnight on can be spooky. Really, anytime from when it gets dark on can be spooky. It's all spooky. Honestly, the only exception to that is around 2 to 2.30 a.m. Like, if somebody's dancing in a park around 2 to 2.30 a.m., that's whenever the bar is let out. It's just a yeah, drunk. you're figuring it was just last call? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. After that, you don't have an explanation at all. Supposedly, this figure scared some people to death, but these were mostly exaggerations. However, there was the daughter of Plutarch Dickinson in <laughs> No! Dutch. No, I love that name! I know, right? Plutarch Dickinson. It's just delightful <laughs> to say. It rolls right off the tongue. Plutarch Oh, imagine, imagine being his lover and having to scream that in bed. Oh, Plutarch! 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 <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Plutarch Dickinson of Dulwich. Um, his daughter... <laughs> I love the name! <laughs> I'm so happy we did this. Yes, it's beautiful. She saw a white sheet covered in blue fire, and she basically just completely, like, lost the plot and had to be confined to bed. And that's, that's, there's two things... That we are going to see over and over again, blue fire, mm-hmm, blue fire and people fucking losing it almost to the point where it's an epileptic fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's they, and they that word fit kept on popping up all over the place, which was funny because I was listening to the Black Hands podcast recently, and when uh, this isn't really a spoiler, when they I, I'm not gonna I'm gonna be careful not to spoil it, but when they when they find somebody that they're not sure whether or not they were involved in the crime, but they at least found some of the bodies, they kept on saying went into a fit, went into a fit, and these are like EMTs, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wouldn't you use a different, you know, like you had a seizure or went into shock or something more precise? It was just weird. I was trying to picture it, and I, I couldn't quite. So it's still being used today. These people going into fits, and it was all through all the articles that I read. Fits, fits, fits. I wonder if maybe a more 
proper term for the modern age would be panic attack. Yeah, yeah, very well. Panic attacks, shock could be another thing. Yeah. Yeah, the, both of those I think are highly probable when you're dealing with something that you, you can't explain like that and that also startles you. You know, it's unexpected and it's also scary. But yeah, I think panic attacks probably in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. I would have a panic attack, you know. Some some dude like some some white sheet with blue, blue flame. flames. Yeah, I would freak out. I would need the Xanax. I think I think honestly, I'd be standing there going like, "Man, that's cool." But then whenever it rips off my clothes and scratches my titties, yeah, then you would you would you would need the Xanax. Exactly. Yes. That's where it goes south for me. So and then there's some. This gets a little shaky because there's the Mary Stevens case, which was from later accounts. Yeah, this is this is like October of 1837. Mm -hmm, around October. And this is not in any contemporary accounts, when I say contemporary, I mean of the day, that were found by the, the articles I read. Uh, she, this dark, this figure comes out of a dark alley, grabs her, starts kissing her face, and then tearing at her clothes with these cold, clammy claws. She screams, he runs, and then people come to her aid. Yeah. So, yeah, and then the very next day, somebody jumps right in front of a carriage. Yeah, causing it to crash, severely injuring the carriage driver. Yeah, and supposedly afterwards, this same figure jumped over a nine-foot-high wall, all the while babbling and laughing. I would love to see the way, the way this figure jumped over a wall, because there is a way to scale a nine-foot wall mm -hmm. while jumping. Are we talking single leap, or are we talking... A thieves jump. Yeah, people never really get specific enough yeah. that you can really tell what the method is. There is this technique, and you can actually see Jackie Chan do it. And I think there was like one of the Rush Hour movies, uh, where if you go to the corner of a wall, and it takes practice, it takes oh, a sure, lot of yeah. practice. But you can jump towards, you can jump towards one side of the wall, and since you're in the corner. You can then get your foot up on the next part of the wall, use oh. the friction, get the next part of the wall, and you can scale a nine-foot wall in not a jump, but using this thieves jump, like several jumps. Yeah, that could be get... entirely possible. Yeah. There's there's really nothing there's really nothing here that like as of yet that I don't see anything really too paranormal. You've got a couple of people seeing a ghost. You've got a couple of people seeing this. But really, some guy pops out of an alley, gropes, gropes somebody, kisses them, and and then jumps over a wall. If if you if you're saying like one single jump, nine feet, uh, then I'm gonna say that's that's approaching paranormal. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's 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 kind of like. Hugging the line. Exactly. Basically. It's groping exactly. the line. Mm, fondling the line. <laughs> fondling the line. It's very inappropriate. The Scott Mort story. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing really in the papers until December of that year. So all this is going on starting around September, but nothing in the papers. Supposedly, some people were, you know, around town were like, oh, well, the attacker, he has the press in his pocket. Mm -hmm. I don't know. that. It, I just wonder if, if the press didn't really see fit to really bring it up. And because they were basically saying, the press was like, this is just servant girl gossip. That's yeah. all it is. It's just all the little servant girls just chatting amongst themselves and making up stories and trying to scare each other. And when, when the police and reporters both tried to investigate, didn't find anything solid. No real eyewitnesses. So there was nothing really to go on anyhow. And even muddying the waters even more, 
they found some mistaken identities. There was the case where uh, somebody saw a ghost, but it was actually a policeman on a horse. Mm -hmm. There was the case where somebody saw a ghost, and it was actually a white-faced cow. <laughs> That's it's a ghost. No, it's a cow. C O W cow. I've heard I've heard several stories. There was one story I wish I could remember where where I heard it uh, where I'm remembering it from. It may have been something my dad told me. It may have been something that I heard someplace. But apparently this guy was, was walking home and he walked past a field and a human skull floated out. And, and like the guy freaked out and pulled the gun and shot and the skull fell to the ground and he ran away. And the next day he comes and it just turned out to be the pattern on his neighbor's cow's head. He had oh. a black cow and it had like a skull-like pattern on his head and a little bit of tipsy and some firearms later and all of a sudden we've got hamburgers. And I can see, especially with how dark it would have been, you know, you didn't have, you know, street lights all over the place like we do now. You didn't, you know, lighting in houses, you know, really probably mostly candles and, and gas lamps and yeah. such. You didn't have nearly as much light pollution. So I can see it being very, very dark when you're walking. I can see that happening. Okay, I take back my criticism of the, the white-faced cow seer. <laughs> and then the dancing at Kensington Palace. That was just a rehash of something that happened there. We never get more specific than that, but a similar thing happened in, in 1822. So 15 years earlier, these oh, yeah. people were bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The press ends up naming him Spring-Heeled Jack. And on January 9th, 1838, Sir John Cowan, the Lord Mayor of London, reads a letter from a resident of Peckham, Peckham. about Spring-Heeled Jack. It appears that some individuals... Of, as the writer believes, the highest ranks of life, have laid a wager with a mischievous and foolhardy companion. That he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many villages near London in three different disguises he does. A ghost, a bear, and a devil. And moreover, that he will not enter a gentleman's gardens for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. Inmates of the house. That's a weird... That's, that's a, a weird, weird phrasing, yeah. You're not leaving because you're a woman. Uh, <laughs> the wager has, however, been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, two of whom are not likely to recover, but to have become burdens to their families. At one house, the man rang the bell, and on the servant coming to the open door, this worse-than-brute stood no less dreadful figure than a specter clad most perfectly. The consequence of was that a poor girl immediately swooned and has never from that moment been in her senses. I just imagine she's like, after you beat the guy in Mortal Kombat and he's just kind of like going like that, she's permanently swaying, <laughs> just getting ready for a fatality that'll never come. <laughs> <laughs> the affair has now been going on for some time and, strange to say, the papers are still silent on the subject. The writer has reason to believe that they have the whole story at their finger ends, but through interested motives are induced to remain silent. So even though the mayor is passing around this rumor that the, the attacker has the press in, in his pockets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, basically, if you understood uh, none of that... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> basically, the letter writer was saying that these attacks are the result of a wager between some some men of high class families and the the wager was up to 5000 uh, pounds to to win this bet 
and that's uh, 555,000 pounds now, which is 667,000 US dollars, which is quite a bit. That is. And that the is. goal was, uh, as reported in The Sun in January 1838, quote, destroy the lives of not less than 30 human beings. Viz, I don't know what viz means. Eight old bachelors, ten old maids, and six ladies' maids, and as many servant girls as they can by depriving them of their reason and otherwise accelerating their deaths. Because women can't be trusted with their own emotions. <laughs> Love that you've got ten, eight old bachelors in there and yes. ten old maids. They were on their periods, they were. <laughs> and you just keep hogging them and going, there, there, my little ketchup packet. <laughs> oh, I'm going to move on. <laughs> So the mayor starts to get, after this announcement, piles and piles of letters about similar instances. And there's people talking about claws again. There's people saying that, you know, my, my loved ones have gone into fits and they've died of fright. Just tons. And so they form a committee in around mid-January. And the, the committee's goal is to raise funds for the sake of finding this culprit. I don't think the committee was very <laughs> successful judging by the fact that we're doing this right now. Yeah, yeah. I find I think it's interesting. I think I think what we need to do is create a problem in Johnstown mm -hmm. and then then go to the mayor and ask for funds to create a committee to solve the problem. I think that's how we make money. Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. think you, you're onto something there. That's our money making scheme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What could it be? Spring heeled something. Uh, Spring heeled. Jumpy boots, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping Boots meth head. There it is. No, there's several of those. <laughs> yeah. We don't really have to make that up, and Johnstown doesn't seem to be too concerned with solving that problem. Uh, yeah. Perhaps if the meth heads jumped 30 feet in the air, <laughs> yeah. then we'd get off our ass and do something. We need to find some meth heads and give them some Spring Hill boots. Exactly. Or moon boots or something. I don't know. Oh, man. Meth heads with moon boots. Meth heads with moon boots. Episode title. The Frank Zappa story. <laughs> 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 I got myself on that one. <laughs> That's my uh, my Lithuanian metal band. Name. I see. <laughs> Nothing I... against Lithu. No, I'm not saying that Lithuanians are meth heads. I need to specify. I have a friend who's Lithuanian, so I need to make sure. It just it was the first country that popped into my head. Really. She, she may not be specifying, but I am. <laughs> oh, Scott. You guys need to calm down. <laughs> uh, Tuesday, February twentieth. This character gets really started here in Old Ford Village. This is more into the city. We're not yeah. on the outskirts as much here. This is the case of Jane Alsop. This is 1838 mm -hmm. that this is yes, happening. Yes, or February, sorry, February 20th. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, February 19th into February 20th. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the case. Mm -hmm. This is kind this of... This is it. This is it. Yeah. Right, right. This is kind of this is kind of the one that makes spring heel Jack, that people start to take notice and go, ooh, shit, mm -hmm. this is a problem. Yes. It's... She answers the door to a man who pretends to be a policeman who says that he's apprehended Spring Hill Jack and he's asking for a candle, which it's like, maybe yeah. you should have that. Yeah. Like a candle, maybe a, a lamp, a gun. You know? We've caught the most dangerous phantom in London. Hand me a birthday candle quick. <laughs> I need to be able to see the man's face <laughs> and then have him blow it out to make a wish. Happy birthday. Oh, so maybe she, it was Spring Hill Jack's birthday. Maybe it was. That's why he wanted a candle. He and wanted so, to make a wish. Exactly. Yes. And his wish is to scratch some titties. And one to grow on. Yes. So uh, he requests the candle. She gives it to him. And only upon that 
does he show her his fiery red eyes, throws off his cloak, uh, which underneath he's wearing this uh, suit that she would later said was like white oil skin. Oil skin is kind of like a raincoat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would think it's, it's shiny. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's a weird suit, especially in 1838. He's got some sort of a helmet, and he puts the candle to his chest and spews just balls of white and blue fire at her. Now let's talk about this. White and blue. You can actually tell the chemical composition of something based on the color. So methane. Mm-hmm. Methane gives off a blue flame. But if we're talking white and blue, now, now it's a little bit something different. Um, whenever you have a blue-white flame, this is... Oh, get ready for this. Oh, I'm get ready, ready for this. Dicyanoacetylene, also known as carbon subnitrate, C4N2. It's created by passing nitrogen gas over graphite heated to around 273 to 3000 Kelvin. Uh, it is hot as fuck. That's, but here's the thing. It wasn't synthesized until 1909 mm. by Moreau and Bungrad. However, it is found naturally. Oh. On the atmosphere of Saturn's moon Titan. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really help us in this situation. Unless the ufologists are right and this was an alien. <sighs> I prefer time traveler myself. Yeah, that works so much better. There is there is a uh, there is a gentleman named William Henry who is probably the modern day's most uh, foremost expert on Springheel Jack. Mm-hmm. In a weird turn of events, the last place Spring-Heeled Jack was ever sighted was William Henry Street. Huh! That is weird. Yeah. That is yeah. so weird. And he, William Henry actually does propose the time traveler theory because the government is currently, according to William Henry, the government is currently working on a suit that would give people the abilities of Spring-Heeled Jack. Aha! Uh-huh. But William Henry is kind of a proponent of that time traveler theory, that this is some sort of maniacal time traveler from in the future. And the whole William Henry Street is spring Jack letting the modern-day William Henry know that he's on the right track. Oh, that's so bonkers. I love it. Isn't it great? I love it. Isn't oh, it great? that is great? delightful. <laughs> What's not delightful is the fact that Springheel Jack then proceeded to tear at Jane Alsop's face with long metallic talons. He's yanking out bunches of her hair. Her, she's screaming. Her older sister saves her and basically, like, you know, grabs her away from him. And when they slam the door in his face, he's still, like, pounding on it and yelling. Only to, like, the only way that he gets scared off is that the family is in the second story window and they're yelling for the police, which mm-hmm. I guess is the only way you can get the police to come to you in this day and age. And if you yeah. live out in the middle of nowhere, good luck. Yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd love to question Jane a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not possible. No, because whenever I was younger and I would hear the word "wore a large helmet," I'm thinking like a space helmet, right? Yeah, exactly. But now, like. Okay, with like the red eyes and the vomiting of flame, are we talking like a soldier's helmet? 
There are some reports where they re- refer to it as a bonnet. Yeah. Which is like, I, I get a very Little House on the Prairie vibe from this guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely, this... Laura Ingalls Wilder went back in time, mm-hmm. or maybe it was the same time, I'm not entirely sure what her lifespan was, and it was really spring-heeled Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yeah, you know what, I'm okay with that. I just like the picture in my mind of spring-heeled Jack, like, jumping through a field of flowers as credits roll down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Both of the sisters uh, of of Jane corroborated this. And then uh, Mr. Alsop would later say that there had to be a partner because Jack ran and left his cloak there. So somebody had to have picked it up later. And now we would like to pause for some pubs in Old Ford. Oh, please We we need to get some theme music for my pubs whenever we go to England. Whenever we do England stories. I'll see what I can do. So there's the Eleanor Arms. Aw. Lord Morpeth. <laughs> Lord... Did, didn't he fight Harry Potter at one point? Yes. Okay. Yes, that definitely happened. Just threw steins of beer at him. Warm beer, nonetheless. Well, we know where JK got her inspiration. She was probably oh, yeah. having a beer at Lord Morpeth. Oh, yeah. One of, my, one of my friends listened to the Lower Quentin one, and she just kept messaging me, going like, Oh, my God, this is Harry Potter, and this is Harry Potter, and this is Harry Potter. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> There's the Lord Tredegar. I, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Young Prince. Ooh. The Green Goose. The Widow's Son. Jesus. Ye Old Black Bull. Bat and Ball. That's definitely a, a, like a cricket. Uh, has to be. Has to be. Cart and Horses. Ooh. So which one would you hang out at? I would say the Lord Morpeth. Okay, I would be over at the Widow's Son. Okay. I don't know why. I haven't been able but as soon as I saw that name, I was like, and on the list. I have to say, Lord Morpeth, there's some morbid curiosity there. Yeah, there's just yeah. something... It's, it's such a, and it's, it's also, it's very close to your name, Morpeth it, I guess, Mort. I guess so. Yeah. I feel like I could own it. <laughs> yes. Coming next week, advertisements for Scott's new pub. <laughs> if I just stopped buying Transformers, I could afford to own a business. <laughs> So, all right, thank you for uh, indulging us. I just love British pub names. There are two different investigations on the Alsop assault. One is led by the Metropolitan Police, which was fairly new and fresh in these days. And then also the Lambeth Street Police. Uh, This investigation was led by James Lee, who's pretty much known as the best London detective of the 1830s. He was a big part of the the Red Barn murders, which we are going Mm -hmm. to do. I added it to the list while I was in the middle of this. (laughs) So he disputed, uh, James Lee disputed the the cloak and partner theory. He said, you know, he could have just come back and picked it up. It's not like you were hanging around, like, standing guard over the cloak. The dude can jump 30 feet. Do you think he can't just, like, take... Two or three leaps, grab his cloak, and go away. We're going to get to this, but there's no reports in Alsop of this him is true. jumping. And I've noticed He's this. scampered. Like, the, the jumping thing is pretty fucking rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's only in, like, secondhand stories. We don't get it in any of these, our very few actual eyewitness, named eyewitness reports. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, it's of a thing where, like... Yeah, the jumping, even though, like, okay, yeah, this spring-heeled Jack, that's what he's kind of known for. Not really. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny that one of the things that he, he did the least became a, a big part of, of his identity. I think it's the thing that makes him a paranormal creature. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like... It, and it's it, it's very evocative. You can see it in your head as soon as, as you, you hear spring-heeled Jack. You can see somebody just, like, bouncing and jumping mm-hmm. and leaping, so... 
So the investigation does turn up several reports of somebody. We always see a cloak, or not always, but very frequently, this figure wears a, a very large cloak. Somebody wearing a cloak, wandering the area, sometimes had a lamp, usually was in, like, you know, kind of desolate areas, uh, and said that after uh, Jack left the Alsops, some people heard their distress call, which I guess it, it, this method of calling for the police worked, came out on their way to the Alsops, ran into a tall, cloaked figure who said, hey, they need a... Nope, nope, I'm not doing it. Uh, who said that the Alsops needed a policeman. Alsop need a policeman over there. There you go. <laughs> so he knows their name. Yeah. Which is something. It really does become a part of the theories. Uh, so the initial conclusion of both investigations, the first one, was that Jane was just scared. She was mistaken about her assailant. Of course, we're dismissing a, a, a woman's or a girl's story naturally. Uh, and that it was just a drunken frolic by somebody, which Jane and her sisters would be absolutely adamant that this person was not drunk. Drunken frolic, name of my punk band. <laughs> I love a good drunken frolic. Yes. So they do have a hearing of sorts, which is interesting. They're, they're like, Spring-heeled Jack, you don't really think, you know, like court. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You think dark, you know, our alleys and this figure, you don't like think, you know, the, the, the white wigs and, and the, you know, bang of the gavel. Right. This Somebody was arrested. Yeah. They arrested Spring-heeled Jack, <laughs> whose name was Thomas Milbank. Yes, yes. And his, uh, his friend Payne, I don't have the first name here for some reason, but they were a bricklayer and a carpenter. They were interrogated. Uh, there were witnesses. There was a wheelwright named James Smith who uh, st stepped forward as a witness, and he said, basically, he was like, I was coming up towards the Alsop cottage. I heard some screaming, and I saw these two guys, Payne and Milbank, coming away from there. And Milbank is wearing a white hat and white fustian, I don't know how that's pronounced, shooting jacket, which the white could be uh, Jane's white oil skin. Mm -hmm. And then later... Um, or while they were walking, I heard a conversation between them where Payne said, quote, it was rascally. I would not have had it done upon any account. And then they see that he's overheard them and they accost him and they grabbed his wheel and said, what have you to say to Spring-Heeled Jack? It's all very odd, but yeah. they're, they're questioned, Payne and Milbank, they say, no, we had nothing to do with this. We didn't even say any of this, but Milbank is like, well, I mean, I probably didn't say it, but I was blackout drunk, so yeah. uh, maybe? I love the reason Milbank is set free. Yes, yes. Milbank is set free because he can't spit fire. <laughs> and he goes, your honor, I can't spit fire. And your honor goes, yeah, that's a really good idea. I'm going to go powder my wig. You're free to go. <laughs> yeah, bang, goes the gavel. So, yeah, the, it's the chief magistrate, Hardwick, who, who dismisses that, says he's innocent, does call for more investigation, but after that, no one's ever charged, and there's not much in the press about the Jane Alsop assault. Yeah. So, and this was just sort of the beginning, sort of the middle, sort of, sort of not really sure what, because we don't know what's associated with what, as far as reports are concerned. Mm -hmm. This was February 25th, so this is five days after the Alsop incident. So it's in the East End, which is walking distance to Old Ford. And there's a servant boy. He answers the door to a man uh, dressed in a cloak who asks for the homeowner. 
and tosses off the cloak to reveal, quote, a most hideous appearance. The boy screams so loud that he scares the man off. Then, in February 28th of 1838, 18-year-old Lucy Scales and her sister are walking home after visiting their brother. Do you know where they're walking? They're walking past the Green Dragon Alley. Yes, they are. I love it. Because And then Hagrid comes out and goes, <laughs> You're a wizard, Spring Hill, Jacques! And then, and then Daenerys comes out and says, bend the knee. <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet Daenerys. God damn. I don't even like that show, but I just... Mm, I would uh, think you would just watch it for Amelia Clark. you like her so much. I mean, I can I can see Amelia Clark naked without having to watch the show. I mean, yeah. Actually, she never, she never got naked for the TV show. That's a body double. I'm pretty sure, in the, at least in the very beginning, she had to have. Because you think so? she didn't have very much like con- contract negotiating power. And then... No, it was, uh, okay, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was Lena Hetty. they had to have a body double for her because she was pregnant during the, the shame scene, but but I think at least in the very beginning, but, but uh, that might not be good because she looks pretty damn young yeah, <laughs> in the very beginning. True, so. she's getting plowed by Aquaman, and that's just an uncomfortable <laughs> scene to watch. <laughs> this is just all sorts of horribleness going on. Again, let's talk about Spring Hill Jack, shall we? Yes. They pass by the Green Dragon Alley. They see a person standing in the angle of the passage. If you ever are walking by any alley of any sort, and you see a person just hanging out in the alley... Fucking run. Yes, absolutely. Mm, yeah. Do, please. So they came up to the person. He's wearing a cloak. And surprise, surprise, he spits blue flame into their face. Temporarily blinded. It's causing seizures. But their brother lives close enough. He hears the screams. He finds the sisters. The assailant is tall, thin, mm-hmm. gentlemanly, cloaked, and carrying a bullseye lantern. Mm-hmm. A bullseye lantern, for those that don't know, I, I want you to picture just your regular standard, like, handheld lantern, but there is, like, a small opening in the front with, like, kind of a magnifying glass deal going on there so that it kind of, like, you can hold it up. It's it's kind of like the, mod- the, the modern-day equivalent of, like, a Coleman flashlight. Okay. Essentially is what it is. Uh, this thing did not speak to them. It did not touch them. Several suspects are questioned, and they're all set free. And I would like to point out, walked away yeah. is how the report of, of this figure's leaving is is addressed. Walked away. Walk. Strolled. 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 Just ambled. Yeah. And then, then in April of the same year, this is a this is from the Brighton Gazette of April fourteenth, eighteen thirty-eight. A gardener from Rose Hill in near Sussex is frightened by a creature shaped like a bear. Okay. It growls at him. It climbs the garden wall. It runs along the wall on all fours, jumps down, chases the gardener for a while, gets bored, and then climbs the wall and leaves. Hmm. The newspaper IDs this creature as Spring-Heeled Jack. Okay. So there we have, you know, we, we've had the ghost, we've had the bear, we've had the mysterious, grotesque man, the, the gentlemanly stranger. He, he's taking, spring Jack is taking all these different forms. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's at this point now, he's starting to become kind of a big deal. He's, yeah, he becomes known, you know, Penny Dreadfuls are yeah. covering him. Those, you know, like one penny sensationalist sort of stories. 
Uh, everything from you know, a bandit mm-hmm. to something supernatural. Yeah, he actually replaces Satan yeah. in Punch and Judy shows. Yeah, yeah, and parents are telling their kids, you know, if you don't eat your vegetables, spring Jack will get ya. Yeah, and <laughs> here's know? the thing. Here's the thing. This is happening today. You, right now, we are in the middle of it. And people don't even realize that this same thing is repeating itself with the Joker. Ah, yes. That's, I was trying to figure out where you're going yeah, with that. Yeah, because right now, what is the press worried about? The press is going like, boy, it'd be a shame if somebody shot up a movie theater with this Joker. Yeah. You know, and it's like they're egging it on. And it, it's kind of sad that we have gone from, like, the press being kind of like yellow journalism and then Hearst... Hearst with his yellow journalism and, and making up stories mm-hmm. to the press being something to be really, really taken seriously. Yeah, We're respectable talking institution. Like yes. Woodward and Bernstein. That's exactly you know, what I was thinking. Toppling a president. And now we're back to Hearst. It's, we've swung right back yeah. around again. Yeah. Yes. I actually I actually saw a thing on CNN where they said, well, this Joker movie's no damn good. I mean, they, they have two minutes of uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter, a known pedophile. And that song, oh, nobody mentioned it whenever it was played at every fucking sporting event in the last 30 years. <laughs> but because they used two, min of its, two minutes of it in the Joker film, then all of a sudden, oh, it's bad. Yeah. You know, it's, it's bullshit. And this is kind of what the press was doing back in the days of Spring Hill Jack. That's what they're doing now with the Joker. It's just kind of weird because the Joker started off as a comic book and is slowly creeping his way into real life. And Spring Hill Jack started off in real life and crept his way into a comic book. Yes, it's the reverse. Yeah. And it swung back around. Exactly. And weirdly enough, as Spring Hill Jack gets more popular, the sightings diminish. They diminish, but what we do have are people actually kind of the reverse of, of the whole idea of, of people, you know, the, going into theaters and shooting them up because the press suggested it. We have... All these amoral jerk faces just assaulting women and children left mm-hmm. and right. There's a, a man who, uh, February 28th, around around then, a man, he's dressed... What year? Uh, this was 1838. 1838? Uh, he's dressed nicely. He goes to the White Lion Pub, and he says to the landlady, I am spring Jack. He pulls out a club and tries to hit her. Luckily, he had really shitty aim, and he missed. There's, How do you miss with a club? I know, right? Maybe she's just really good at dodging. Maybe. And then right around the same time, a man in a cloak grabbed a woman at Lincoln's Inn's Fields and slapped her across the face. Around that same time in Islington, a blacksmith assaulted several women. He thankfully got at least three months hard labor, so that's something, I guess. There's various men running around with either their faces smeared in black or you know somebody who ran around with a blue flame mask. There was somebody who had a bearded mask and wore a sheet. People are just really taking this to the unfortunately logical conclusion of, oh, let's go have some fun with this. This feels like the clown scare of 2016. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the original. There's a woman who's assaulted by a man at the South End Clifftops, which I was like, there's no clifftops in London. I think that's at the actual, at the seaside. Okay. As far as I can tell. It's about 38 miles from London. Her clothes are torn off, and uh, this this gentleman, quote unquote, stuffs grass in her mouth. And because. I believe that there was more than just 
I believe they're being a bit genteel when they say that. There's more to it than that, obviously. Absolutely. So, yeah, this is stuff that's... It's not necessarily in line with Spring-Heeled Jack's activities, but the papers are linking these to him anyhow just because it's like, well... Let's just let's just blame everything on him. Oh, that house is on fire. Must be Spring Hill Jack. Oh, you have the plague. Must be Spring Hill Jack. And that's exactly what I think it is. We're going to get to a list of suspects here a little bit later on. And if you're going to ask me who I think Spring Hill Jack was, I'm going to answer with yes. <laughs> well, is Spring Hill Jack? Uh, is he this person? Yes. Is he that person? Yes. Is he a bear? Yes. <laughs> Just anything that went weird was blamed on Springheel Jack. Springheel Jack is Spartacus. Absolutely. I don't see why not. And once again, oh, we couldn't do that today. We're much more civil. Bullshit. Chupacabras. Any animal that has the mange now is classified as a chupacabra. Mm -hmm. If there's a poor coyote that's lost its hair due to mange, it's chupacabra. There was a possum in D.C. that had mange that they caught. It's a chupacabra. Of course. Yeah, and it's like, you know, chupacabras can be like these these tall, gray, alien-looking things with spines and fangs. Or they're a bat. They're a giant bat. Or they're a furless dog with long fangs. It can be anything. Chupacabra is the spring-heeled jack. I guarantee that if, if like chupacabras were around we wouldn't have chupacabras in london because they'd all be spring-heeled jacks you're that chupacabra you're spring-heeled jack i don't see why they couldn't be they they jump around they attack people drink their blood uh they don't vomit blue flame that we know of that we know of yank its tail chupacabra yeah yank its tail i bet it spits blue flame (laughs) So in subsequent years after this, this is kind of the lost years for a little while. There are supposedly some visits, but the newspapers of the time, they don't really make it clear. They sort of maybe hint towards the fact that it's spring Hill Jack-ish, but they never really come right out and say it. You've got the home counties in 1843, Chichester in the 1840s, the Midlands between 1840 and 1869, and Middlesex in 1863. I mean, it's just, it's all over. And then in Peckham... In 1872, there's a report in a local paper of a a ghost, but there's no mention of Spring-Heeled Jack. But then the News of the World and the Illustrated Police News, these are are very uh, tabloid-y, you know, uh, type newspapers. They pick the story up, and all of a sudden there's Spring-Heeled Jack, you know, in their articles. Mm So, yeah, gee, I wonder who's, uh, who's doing this. Now, this, this next one, the Aldershot Military Barracks, is my favorite spring Hill Jack uh, incident. There's a sentry at the north camp, and he sees a figure uh, advancing. He goes, Oi, who goes there? Nothing. The figure walks up to him and just slaps the shit out of him repeatedly, just like... (laughs) (laughs) And one for good measure. Yeah, exactly. And one to grow on. It's your birthday. (laughs) You have a candle. Just slapping the shit out of him the soldier does what soldiers should do shoot the fuck out of him no effect whatsoever no effect i would like to read from the sheldrake's eldershot and sandhurst military gazette Ooh. their report on this this is this is this is fun okay 
Someone or other appears to have made up his mind to play some rather questionable pranks with the sentries at this camp while on night duty. About a week ago, it appears, but we do not vouch for the correctness of the story, a sentry was on duty at the north camp, and about midnight, someone came towards him, who refused to answer the usual challenge of who comes there, and after dodging about the sentry box in a fantastic fashion for some little time, made off with astonishing swiftness, not, however, until the sentry had loaded his rifle and fired, but without any effect. Springheel Jack, as he has been termed in camp, then paid a similar visit on the sentry on duty near the cemetery, who also fired, but alas, without hitting the object at which he aimed. What or who the individual who is thus amusing himself might be, we do not know, but such little bits of fun might be carried just too far, and enjoyment of this kind had better be discontinued before one of the nocturnal pranks leads to unpleasant results. <laughs> it's so As... deeply, deeply British. I love it. <laughs> As an added uh, announcement... I would like to say, please do not applaud around Sentry Smith. <laughs> He's suffering from a mild case of PTSD. Yes. The other day, he clapped some cheeks and just started crying in the middle of intercourse. <laughs> because the sound just reminded him of the vicious slapping he received from one not-to-be-named individual. Intercourse is ruined for him forever. Absolutely. So, yeah, there's, he's, he slapped one soldier. He wrestled with another one and gave him not one, but two black eyes. <laughs> right there. Yeah, exactly. Was almost caught at the female hospital. Yes, they called it that. <laughs> but he escaped. I just picture him, like, peering in through the window going, yeah. <laughs> he escaped even though multiple people were chasing him. It stops around the end of April. And this is kind of important. And then around the end of August... Briefly, briefly pops up again for a little bit more slapping. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's not much more. Uh, there was... See, this is what I would have slap hand jack. That's <laughs> what I would have named him. Yes. There were many on the base who were pretty sure that it was a prank by a quote-unquote lively officer, Lieutenant Alfrey. This is mentioned in Lord Ernest Hamilton's 1922 memoir, 40 Years On. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 40 years later, it was it was Lieutenant Alfrey. But the thing is, Lieutenant Alfrey was there for the April stuff. He may have been gone when the August stuff happened. And I have a little bit more when we get to the various details uh, of, of the, the overall case to address with that. But we'll get there. So November 1877 in the Newport area, and this is a distance. This is 139 miles from London. There is a man dressed in sheepskin with a long white tail. And he's said to jump 15 to 20 feet. He's jumping around scaring people. There are just mobs of men gathering up with sticks and stones to try to get him. And I'm like, well, I guess bullets didn't work at outer shots, so you may as well try sticks and stones. It's the Tottenham Outrage, part two. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's going he's gonna to hijack a tram any second now. <laughs> so he does uh, jump up on some Roman ruins. He's shot at, but supposedly his hides were too thick and the bullet didn't go through them. Soon after then, he's spotted again, he's shot at again, again, nothing. And again, a lot of this is from the Illustrated Police News, which was known to really sensationalize. So, then we have 
One of our uh, sources from last week, or not a source, but somebody we mentioned last week, Richard Whittington Egan pops up again. Yay! According to him, Spring Hill Jack was spotted in 1888 around the Everton area of Liverpool while the Ripper murders were going on. Jack the Ripper, Spring Hill Jack. They're both named Jack. Kill them both. Definitely, yes. Guilty. Guilty as charged. He's spotted. I love this. Name of this school, St. Francis Xavier's Church. Salisbury Street, and I mean, there are many, many, many sightings of this. Oh, yeah, 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 but it seems like he's just jumping around. He doesn't really do anything, he doesn't accost anybody, assault, attack, any of that. He's just jumping. (laughs) He's just having a time. One report has him doing this neat little trick where he'll climb to the top of the church tower and fall. (laughs) He'll just com- try. It's looking like he's committing suicide, and then he gets about fifteen feet from the ground, and floats down like a leaf, just back and forth, hits the ground, and jumps back up to the top of the church like he's made of rubber. Exactly, it's flubber. It's like a bouncy ball. Mm-hmm. Those were always fun. So then again in Liverpool, so same area, nineteen oh four, hundreds of people saw him jumping around again, but this one. 63 years later, a Mrs. Pierpont wrote to the Liverpool Echo, and she mentioned some supposed poltergeist activity that had occurred around the area. There were bricks and bottles and other just various debris being thrown from roofs, and nobody could figure out who it was or what the source was, so they were like, it's a poltergeist, obviously! And she says that, in addition to this, you already have this sort of panic going on. There was also a man. He was known to be sort of off balance uh this is this is exact quote from her letter i I believe it's from her letter as far as i can tell a local man slightly off balance mentally he had a form of religious mania and he would climb onto rooftops of houses crying out my wife is the devil they usually fetched police or fire engine ladder he's probably not i've been married (laughs) twice he's probably not wrong (laughs) there you go stereotyping (laughs) <laughs> Don't paint us all with that broad brush. I'm not painting you all with that broad brush. That's the ones that I'm apparently the only ones that are interested in me are the ones that can look at me and go, "This is somebody I can take advantage of." <laughs> Your picker just needs a little work. That's all. That's that's okay. So they usually fetched police or a fire engine ladder to get him down. As the police closed in on him, he would leap from one house roof to the next. That's what gave rise to the Springheel Jack rumors. Yeah, you know what? You see people doing parkour. Yes, nowadays. thank you. I was trying to think when you were talking about the Jackie Chan and the wall thing. I was yeah. like, what is the name of that thing? I mean, it's not. <laughs> 40 minutes later, I get it. <laughs> it's not outside of the realm of possibility. You see some of these people doing parkour, it's almost paranormal. Not the only way that, that they move. But in a city. You have houses that are closer together. Yeah. He's just jumping from one roof to the next. There might only be a couple of feet. It might not even really be that much of a, well, feet. Thank you. Uh, I'll be here all week. There it is. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, it, it might not even really be that much. The houses might not even really, they might not even have any distance between them. It could just be row houses, yeah. you know? <clears throat> it could be like two or three feet, just enough to get, like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive that I could leap from the roof of my house to the roof of the house next to me because there was only about four feet. I definitely couldn't, but that's because it's more than four feet. Well, maybe, maybe, you know, if I could get past but my I, fear I didn't of heights. Live in Liverpool, so. Yeah. Like, let's, let's talk about the leaping ability. You said yourself, there, this is not a well lit era in time. 
if the letter is correct and it's a bunch of people doing this, mm-hmm. it's not. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility of like, okay, you have this black rope tied to your belt, and you come over, jump at the wall, and me and George will give a tug on it and, yeah. and throw you up. And yeah, it would be completely plausible. Um, at a distance in the dark, you wouldn't see a black rope. You'd just see this guy who is in a white oil skin, something that you can see well in the dark. Yes. It wouldn't be out of the out of the realm of possibility that he's being not jumping up the wall, he's being lifted up the wall. And then you have just the fact that as we mentioned, in the actual named eyewitness accounts, the Alsops and and the scales. There was scampering and walking. There's yeah. no jumping. There's you would think, of, especially if they're at the window, they're watching him leave in the in the Alsop case. They would have seen, and they probably would have mentioned it. Right. And you have the the gardener who was chased by a creature shaped like a bear. Do you know what creature from England is shaped like a bear? A bear. I was gonna say, do they have bears? I imagine they have bears. Yeah. yeah. A bear. Yeah. A bear is shaped Maybe like a he bear. Maybe actually chased by a bear. Exactly. Did they have rabies back then? Oh, absolutely! So maybe they a rabbit rabies. bear. I mean, because or just so he, maybe he came too near a mama bear's cub. There's a, like, a it could have been a cub itself, or it's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, it could have been a cub. Cubs are dangerous. It could have been a bear with mange. Have you ever seen a bear with mange? No, I have not. It does not look like a bear. Yeah, I bet. It this honestly really I'll, mange is the explanation for everything. It's it the explanation really for chupacabras, spring heel jag. It's just it's all mange. Actually, bears with mange are one of the things that are cited. Like a lot of people think are Bigfoot are actually bears with mange. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, there is a very famous. Uh, you know, it's gonna be gross, isn't it? Oh no, it's not really gross. It's, gonna be it's sad. just. It's a oh, little sad. Yeah. That does not look like a bear. Aww. So there is there is a very famous uh, there is a very famous Bigfoot sighting in Pennsylvania, just about two hours north of here, where the guy went, "Oh yeah, this is Bigfoot on a cam." No, it's not. This is a this is a this is Bigfoot. Your Bigfoot is a bear with mange. So, and then as far as the leaps are concerned, there also were some reports uh, of the Aldershot case where he was seen jumping across a canal that was about 15 paces wide, but there's no actual uh, accounts of that until 30 years after Mm -hmm. the incident. So definitely seems like he was seen on both sides of the canal. And I think somebody took that. And in a later report, they were like, oh, he's seen on both sides of the canal, huh? I guess he must have jumped and he couldn't have possibly walked over a bridge or anything. Hell no. That's not the way Spring Hill Jack do. No, not at all. And I think we need to talk about the spring boots idea. We definitely need to talk about this. This idea that he was wearing either India rubber soles, which I don't know any rubber that can propel a human being, uh, you know, man-sized, 15 Mm -hmm. feet in the air, or even two feet in the air, uh, or boots with springs in them. And this is from uh, the article by Mike Dash that I referenced. Uh, Quote, Jay Viner states on no known authority, authority that in 1938, the German army... We just had that talk last we week had, off yeah, the air. But off the air, we, we, we talked about this. Experiment with the idea during the Second World War, supplying its paratroops with such footwear. The result was an alleged 85% incidence of broken ankles. <laughs> so, and, <laughs> that's and, the one time I'll cheer broken yeah. ankles. I'm like, yes, Nazis can have their ankles broken. That's, fu- that's fine. I'm and okay I, with that. I guarantee, like, 85% rate of broken ankle. The other 15% of them are going like, I do not want to do that again. I have. Yes. Oh, any please, ex- Uncle Adolf, no. Any excuse to get, get out the accent. 
So, yeah, we do have, that's basically, I, I really just think it was exaggeration. It was, it was maybe like a little bit of parkour or pre-parkour. Yeah, pre-core. Uh, pre-core. <laughs> And, or people just messing around, you know, and, and in the dark with ropes. I really don't think that there was any actual jumping. It would have been physiologically impossible to do without harming right. yourself. If you're human, which I think it was. Yeah. Several humans. I, I honestly believe that our number one suspect for spring Heel Jack. Oh, go ahead. I wanted Sorry. to, I, what I want to do, if, if you're, if you're done with it, is I want to go through like the, the, the particulars of of each inhuman aspect okay that's kind of what dash did let's do it and let's it's, it's it. pretty good because it, it, it really breaks it down um there's the fire breathing that's another sort of supernatural woo, what's happening here thing we only again get two first-hand accounts of that alsop and scales neither one is injured and some witnesses nearby they, they live in a city you know they didn't see fire breathing they only saw a candle so that is iffy to begin with. Whenever you're scared, I don't know if you've ever had the like a truly terrifying sting of adrenaline. Your vision kind of flashes sometimes. You get yes. stars in your vision. So that along with the panic. Mm -hmm. Could definitely account for this. Yeah. There were ideas that it was fire breathing. Because especially uh, related to how he asked Alsop for a candle and he didn't actually attack her until he got the mm -hmm. candle and he put it to his chest and all that stuff. I want to I want to hear him like like with a mouthful of gasoline. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's very obviously, obviously very, very, very risky. And in the Mike Dash article, we have he. Quotes from Dan Mannix, who uh, was a uh, professional. Uh, he has an autobiography, Memoirs of a Sword Swallower. And I just want to read this, uh, this entire quote to you. Please do. I probably never would have become America's leading fire eater if Flamo the Great... <laughs> Pause for laughter. Okay. <laughs> I know. Flamo the Great. As opposed to Flamo the Mediocre. Yeah. He wasn't that good. Hadn't happened to explode. <laughs> Don't do that while I'm drinking. <laughs> I felt the moisture. I was taking a drink. Of my blood orange Clover Valley, like caffeine free sugar fizzy water. And if Flamo the Great wouldn't happen to have I, the moisture hits my lips, I was thinking, like, in my mind, I'm like, one word ahead, retire, pass away, explode. Exploded. The funniest possible outcome for a fire eater. Right. Okay. If, I don't know if I can answer. There are bits of Flamo everywhere. If, Flamo the well dispersed. This is, oh, God. If Flamo the Great hadn't happened to explode that night in front of... Crinko's, the fireball could be seen for 30 miles. Crinko's Great Combined Carnival Sideshows. <laughs> We're laughing about a man's death. Sideshows. And here it gets gruesome, but 
<laughs> so I'm going to try to stop laughing. Taking care to hold his lighted torch well away from his body, he filled a drinking glass half full of petrol from a scar scarlet tin marked DANGEROUS. <laughs> it's all in caps. Boy, he was right. <laughs> I'd seen fire eaters work before, so I guessed that Flama was going to do the fountain of fire. I'd never seen a fire eater do the stunt except in a dead calm. He took a mouthful of petrol and stood waiting for the wind to die down. Suddenly, a little trickle of petrol leaked from the corner of his mouth and ran down his chin. Instantly, a tiny flash of you're trying so hard not to laugh. Instantly, a tiny flash of fire from the torch leaped towards it, running through the air like an invisible fuse as it ignited the petrol vapor. The tiny trickle blazed up and his whole mouthful of petrol exploded. I was blinded for a second by the flash. The fire eater's whole face was burning and he threw himself off the platform and rolled on the ground. So I'm going to hazard a guess that Spring Hill Jack was probably not Flamo the Great. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor Flamo. Oh, your death brings me such joy. I'm sure you were a fine man, Flamo. You see why I had to read it. Please, thank you. <laughs> like, if you could picture me while I'm doing my research just alone on my computer when I see Flamo the Great hadn't exploded, I was like... What? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> that took a turn. <laughs> At first I was like, oh, flame all the great. And I'm like, exploded. Whoa. Jeez. Holy shit. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I think we can officially say that the fire breathing had to have been some <laughs> some sort of uh, product of fear. Uh, and it only really appears in two accounts anyhow. So let's talk about the talons, the, the metal talons. I want to talk about this because I have a very specific theory doesn't appear after Alsop. We don't we don't see it in the scales account. We don't really see it in too many other accounts. He slaps Dash made this point that I thought was really I hadn't thought of it. He slaps people around a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Hard to do without leaving gashes on the cheek if you've got metal talons. You know, those are you got to like bend your hand really right. like weird or something right. like that. So, I have a theory. Shake my hand. A little bit cold. A little bit. A little bit clammy. A little bit clammy. Well, I need to do my uh, my treatment, but I have a condition called hyperhidrosis. I'm not sweating nearly as much as I would be otherwise. Mm -hmm. Normally, I would be dripping with sweat right now. Like literally, my hand would just be it would be shiny with sweat. Hyperhidrosis is excessive sweating. Uh, it, the four areas it tends to affect are hands, feet, underarms, and scalp. And uh, more people have it than realize. They just think that, you know, like everybody's sweaty. But I'm, I'm so excessively sweaty that my mom used to say, I played violin growing up, and she used to say that someday she'd be at Carnegie Hall, and she'd point up and she'd be like, that's my daughter, the one in the puddle. Because <laughs> you can imagine hot lights on stage, mm -hmm. can't stop to blot. I, I always have to blot my hands when I'm sweaty. Can't stop to blot my hands for the entirety of the song. I would have a puddle next to me, literally, of sweat at the end. Poor young Christy just having the janitor follow her with a mop every day in yeah. elementary school. Exactly. Yeah. It was really, it was, it was it, not the worst thing that you could have growing up, but it sucked. Yeah. And so my hands would be very cold and clammy. You can ask any of the 50 people whose hands I had to shake my very first day at my very first big girl job as a tech writer because I was taken around to meet every single person in the company. And, and you're nervous on top exactly. of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, which always makes it worse. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I, oh, oh, every single one of them, and I saw like several people like take their hands and look at it and then like wipe it off and make a, a face. And I know that face. And I'm sorry for people that have to deal with that, you know, but, but uh, it, I'm also more sorry for myself for having had to deal with it. I've had Botox 
shots in my hands in an attempt to get rid of this. Shots in your hands, Scott. Do you know how much that hurts? I've had Botox shots in the forehead, so yes. Okay, all right. Yes. So yeah, you get it. Not for wrinkles, for migraines. Migraines, yes. It's supposed to be very good for migraines. It did nothing for mm. my migraines. It really didn't do anything for my sweating, but then again, I was told later by my dermatologist, she was like, oh no, he's not supposed to do like five shots across your hand. He's supposed to do one every like centimeter block. And I'm uh. like, oh, that was a waste of time and money and pain. So, so yeah, um, I think hyperhidrosis, this, this, anytime these cold, clammy hands were mentioned. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you have hyperhidrosis, uh, I have a, 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 go to the International Hyperhidrosis Society. This is a thing. They have a website. Google it. Go to that site. And they have many remedies available. One of which, the name, I can't remember what it's called, but basically it's been around since the 1930s. You're essentially shocking yourself, but it's, it's only moderately painful <laughs> and you get used to it. Uh, and, and it, it's honestly, it's done wonders for me. It has changed my freaking Fant life. Fantastic. I honestly think, uh, but yeah, it, like go and try, there's, there's different things. I actually tried the Botox before I tried, we call it Mr. Shockey. Mm -hmm. Uh, whenever, you know, I'm, I'm having a session, oh, I'm having a date with Mr. Shockey, but I have the machine right here. And yeah, it's just, it, it is, it helped me so immensely. It has changed my life. I can wear shoes without socks. I can wear high heels without my feet slipping around in them all the time. I can touch people without like, I can walk around in the summertime without carrying a dish towel everywhere. Wow. I used to pack extra dish towels when we were going on vacation because I was like, well, these are for the kitchen and these are for me. <laughs> Nobody touched my sweat towels. I'm so sorry, bud. <laughs> it sucks. I'm so sorry. Growing up sweaty is fun. So, but yeah, so that's my theory. Hyperhidrosis. I didn't have it in... All caps. Oh, wow. And maybe poor nail hygiene. Or maybe file the nails to be points. This is true. This is true. But at the same time, finger armor, that was a very common thing okay. even back in those days. So finger armors that can be slipped on, slipped off. Go to Hot Topic. You're going to find finger armor all over the place. Yeah. Fucking vampire wannabes. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's the idea that he's bulletproof. Well, let's look at the Eldershot case in particular. Uh, generally the sentries there would be firing blanks just as, as a rule. Mm -hmm. And then when this guy started coming up and slapping people and apparently jumping everywhere, supposedly they started putting some live ammo in. Well, it just kind of looks like that space between April and August was the live ammo time. And then when they were like, oh, well, it's been five months, we can stop. He comes back and he's like, oh, I can do it again. They're mm -hmm. just going to be firing blanks, no big deal. Or just bad shots in some cases. And so, yeah, it just, it sounds like he was just a soldier who knew exactly what they were up to. And so, yeah, that's, that's all the inhuman stuff. And do we want to talk about the, the, the mad Marquis? I think we have to we talk kind about of have the mad to, Marquis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of this uh, gets disputed by Dash. He, he does pick this apart because this was, this idea was brought about by... Uh, Peter Haynes, I believe. Peter ha Haynes. Haining. I knew it wasn't Haynes. I knew it was longer than that. His theory about Henry de la Poor Beresford, the mad Marquess of Waterford. <laughs> <laughs> this guy yes. was a drunk. Right. Yes. This guy was a brawler. He amused himself by frightening people. He would do anything to win a bet. Mm -hmm. He absolutely hated women. Have you ever heard of this phrase, painting the town red? Yes. That, he was the first person to paint the town red. Did he actually paint it red? Yeah. <laughs> I should have known that phrase, came from an actual event. The phrase, paint the town red, came from an event 
He led a drunk group of friends through the town of Melton Mulberry. He painted the Tollgate doors, the Swan statue, and several people's house doors red. So yeah, that whole thing of like painting, the, yeah, painting the town red—that was him. He did that. That's where the phrase comes from. That's awesome. Imagine being like doing something so drunkenly epic that people speak about it for hundreds of years to come. This uh, this podcast, sort of in a way, in in, in places as uh, our subtopic is etymology. Absolutely. <laughs> because, and I think in a, one of our very opening episodes. Uh, the disappearance of Canadian theater magnate uh, Amherst. No, no, no. Amherst. It was uh, Ambrose Pierce. Ambro- no, Ambrose Small. Ambrose Small. Because we always want to do the Ambrose Pierce That's thing. That's right. Yeah. Ambrose Small. Uh, we talked about how he might have been the reason for the originator of the word playboy, mm. and that was just the very beginning of us, you know, like pop, popping over to Adam online. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is old timey crimey with a little bit of etymology. I mm. like to think uh, that. One day, people will talk about picnics at the murder farm and not know where it came from. Yes, that was us. We did that. So, yeah, this whole idea that the Mad Marquis is actually Springhill Jack, Peter Hanings starts this uh, theory with an attack on a servant girl named Polly Adams in October 19... Sorry, in October 1837. So this is right around the beginning of the... When it originated to begin with. She actually recognizes the person who attacks her as the Marquis. The problem is, there's no source given for this. Mr. Dash actually tried to find the sources. He tried to get Haining to, he sent him a letter and said, you know, can I get your sources? And Haining's like, well, I, I would give them to you, but there was a screenwriter who wanted to do a Spring Hill Jack movie, so I gave him all my sources, and then I have never been able to get them back. So... No sources that he's able to get from him. And Dash went through not all of the newspapers, but many, many, many. And this was a heavily footnoted article. It was like 63 pages. There was like, I think I'm closing in on 150 footnotes. So this guy is all about the sources, which I'm for. And so that particular, the Polly Adams thing, we don't really have anything to go on there as far as actually backing that up. There's also uh, the attack we mentioned in February 1838 with the servant boy who, uh, you know, screamed so loud that he scared the the person away. He sees the, the filigree crest. Yeah, the W. It's a filigree W, supposedly. That's also not mentioned anywhere in contemporary reports of the attacks. Uh, again, contemporary meaning of the day in 1838 and, and, and around. And then another thing that he uses to back, the Hanings uses to back up his, his marquee theory relates to the murder of Maria Davis on Jacob's Island in November 1845. Now, she was a sex worker. It's definitely, or supposedly a sex worker, it's definitely not unheard of for the murder of a sex worker to be unreported in the newspapers. Oh, I'm shocked that they wouldn't report a, the, a member of a vulnerable population that they look down upon the death of her. But... There's no mention in the papers of any sort of murder that happening uh, of the sort. And Haining uses this woodcut as an illustration. And he claims that the woodcut is of men recovering her body from a ditch. Well, Dash managed to get his hands on the actual, like, uh, the actual woodcut or a picture of it or something. And the actual caption, the caption of this in the original form, is an illustration of the sewer. 
Mm-hmm. It's it, it was a sewer and it was also a water source. If you look closely, you can see men are just using pans to get water out. They're not actually getting a body of a prostitute out of the water. So yeah, that he he basically takes all the all the the several of the main points that Hanings uses to to pin this on the the Mad Marquis and says no, no, so, that's that's what happens there. But I think we just had to mention him because, goddamn man. Yeah, he, no, he yeah, painting, nutty painting the town red, and yeah, he he was quite the quite the interesting character. Uh, I, I think in the initial account, honestly, the sometimes the first theory is the best. A gang of of, of really just boys going on men with too much time on their hands, too much money, and not enough sense. Yeah, the gang of of, of rascally nobles, I think, really is the the best explanation for the eighteen thirty seven, eighteen thirty eight stuff, and then everything after that, you know imitators and people being mistaken and you know just just people seeing almost what they want to see or striving searching seeking any explanation did you see the way that cat jumped from that fence to the other fence it was spring-heeled jack exactly you're looking you see something that you don't understand or that you don't you know you don't know exactly what you saw we don't like uncertainty as a people we're not fans of it. and on, That's the, why we have stuff like this. And at the same time, though, we love it. We love it in a way. We love it, I think, at a distance. Exactly. It's, it's the, the same, same idea of, as, as what you said about murder. Exactly. You know? and it's not my phrase. I wish yeah. it was. Yeah. But murder, the reason you're listening to this podcast, you there's one of two reasons. Number one, you want to commit a murder and you just don't have the balls to do it. Number two... You murder is is like a thunderstorm. It's great whenever you're inside and you're tucked up underneath your blankets mm-hmm. and you've got a cup of hot chocolate, but you don't want to be in it. Exactly. Yes. So yeah, I, I think like we we like that uncertainty from a distance. We don't like it when it's part of our lives. It haunts us. So I think pinning any explanation they can find. And so Springhill Jack got pinned on a lot of different things. So I think this gang of nobles started more than they expected to start. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Spring Hill Jack's one of my favorites. And while I don't think that there's anything really paranormal about it, I, I love stories about Spring Hill Jack. And the, it, it's one of those situations I don't think we'll ever know the answer because there are just too many answers to it. It's, uh, and, and this is something that still pervades in our society today. Um, Mothman. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the first thing that kind of people thought whenever that was, oh, spring Jack in America now. Um, I think in Texas a few years back, people were seeing something that they attributed to spring Jack. Yeah. Even even in the late 90s, we are going to see spring Jack again. Absolutely. This is not, we, we have not seen the last of him at all. Absolutely, because he is whatever we attribute him to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a comic book Uh based on the Predator movies. And their little theory was Spring-Heeled Jack was the Predator <laughs> in in London. And that's that's what I was looking up here. There's this delightful little Spring-Heeled Jack's trophy wall. It's like, it's like the Predator oh that lives under London. And it was... Just, <laughs> it was it, it's something that is kind of bubbling underneath the public conscious. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people have heard of Spring-Heeled Jack, but it's just going to take one odd thing. Mm-hmm. And then people are going to go, oh, you know what that is? That's spring Hill Jack. <laughs> that's the that's the leaping terror of Johnstown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was a fun one. This was. Yeah, this the, was. I'm, I'm liking our, our break from, from horror and uh, 
you know, uh, doppelgangers and, and all that. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Although I still get to see O.C. Sneed's face anytime I'm like scrolling through my pictures or scrolling through the episodes or any, like it's in so many different areas. Family photos. Yeah, family photos, <laughs> the mirror, <laughs> you know. But yeah, so this is this has been uh, this has been a good one. I've been, I really enjoyed this. Good, it's good. Little Jack, yeah. He's a bouncy boy. He's a bouncy boy. Oh, ouch! <laughs> <laughs> More slapping. <laughs> Your hands are gonna be red. That's okay. I actually burn myself. This so each slap that I give my that I give for the sound effect is really fucking painful. Wow, the sacrifices you make for this. I podcast. do. I do. So okay. People had creepy encounters with something that they couldn't explain, so they put a name on it. What we want, and we know you guys have this, we want your creepy encounters. Your encounter with a creepy stranger or anything that just really sent that that chill up your spine or just made you say, what the hell did I just see? What the hell's going on here? And email them to us at our oldtimeycrimey Gmail. So oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. Just look at the name of the podcast you're listening to if you need help spelling it. Send us an email, Creepy Encounters. We would absolutely love to hear these because I'm going to share mine with you. This is one that has stuck with me to the extent that I'm usually okay. I can, you know, when Jackson goes on business trips, I can still listen to my true crime podcast without too much of a problem. But I was listening to an episode of My Favorite Murder and I was doing the laundry and it was so similar and he was away. It was so similar to this experience that I'd had that I had to call him and just like have another voice there in order to talk me down. So this was when I was in high school and we lived on like a suburban street and I, you know me, I'm a night owl. Mm-hmm. I've always have been. And so I was up later than the rest of my family. Generally, I would be the one to lock the doors before I went to bed at night. And so I, I'm just reading on the couch. I get up, I go to lock the door and across the street, oh, I'm going to chill. Just think about it. There is a, a tall figure in a long black trench coat standing directly across from my house underneath the trees so I can't see him from the streetlights. And he is just standing facing my house and standing as far as I can tell, staring literally directly across from me. Like it's, it's, you you could draw a line between us and it would be a straight line. So I'm like, okay, well that's, that's creepy, but maybe it's just somebody taking a walk at, you know, like 1230 in the morning and taking a break. I don't know what's going on. I can't find an explanation for this. So I'm like, I, I can't really go to bed just yet. So I'll go and read a little bit more of my book and then we'll see. Like five minutes later, I go to the door again and I look out the window, still there. Another five minutes, still there. 10 minutes still that thing was out there that thing person i don't know for like a good maybe like 20 minutes to half an hour i would say and it has eventually i went and i looked and it was gone and that was also somehow scarier (laughs) it was like oh god where did you go he's in the (laughs) ceiling (laughs) oh I, i like triple checked the lock that night so, yeah, uh, that was, the, and it stuck with me because I was listening to uh, My Favorite Murder where there was somebody who, like, a, a girl who woke up and saw a, a, a man outside her window, and I was like, no, 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 not that. <laughs> Never that. <laughs> yeah, so that is my creepy encounter, and I would, we would absolutely oh. love to hear yours, and we might just read them on the air. May I share a creepy encounter of my absolutely, own? Absolutely, I want to hear this. So this is actually a man in black encounter. Mm. And this isn't... I mean, mine technically was not probably a man, and was yeah. wearing black, but yeah. not a man in black. <laughs> So I I do this YouTube channel and I actually got an interview with the guy. There's this very famous case called the 4chan alien where this picture goes up of an alien on 4chan and it's realistic and people are looking at it and going like, I feel sick 
looking mm. at this. And then the website goes down. And whenever it comes back up, the photo is missing. <laughs> and nobody has saved it. I got an interview with a guy who saved the photo. And he shared it with me. Right? So I put this up. I put this YouTube video up. Two days later, the guy messages me and goes, please take it down. Uh, I've got some weird stuff going on. I can't talk about it. Please mm. take it down. So I took I took it down. And about two days later, my computer starts acting odd. Mm. It's acting very slow. It's taking, whereas my Alienware computer would take maybe two minutes to load up from, from a cold start. It's taking 15 minutes, 17 minutes. I have a buddy, very good with computers. I take it to him. And I said, what's going on? Do I have a virus? And he pops the back of it open. He goes, no, somebody pulled the hard drive and put it back in really, really quick and didn't get it quite all the way in. Mm. And it was just like a push of the hard drive. And it went in. And mm. that creeped the hell out of me. Because mm. you know you didn't do it. I didn't do so it. So who did it? Yeah. So that's, was it the men in black? I don't know. But somebody... And all this, this stuff was gone? No. No, I still have it someplace. <laughs> Not in my house, <laughs> but I still have it someplace. Oh, my. It's, it's on a thumb drive hidden somewhere. <laughs> and I will never tell anyone oh, yeah. where I have that hidden. But if you want to see the picture sometime and listen to the podcast, I'll let you, I'll let you listen I to do. it. Yeah. Because this idea that a picture could make people feel sick is, is like, hey, I'm a hypochondriac, so I'll probably feel sick no matter what. But just the idea that, like, aliens could have, like, a... I don't necessarily know if, you know, if aliens exist. I don't have any real beliefs one way or the other. But this idea that they could have maybe some sort of, like, physiological weapon against us, mm -hmm. wherein just looking at them makes us sick. Kind of like the idea of the... Um, the one alien in, in Doctor Who where you, you look at it, you talk to it, and then as soon as you look away, you forget. The silence. The silence, thank yes. you. It's right there. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, creepy experiences. Yes. We want you to give us the chills, guys. Do your absolute best. Send us that email to oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com and take a look at our Patreon. You can be a flatfoot. You can be a gumshoe. You can be a private dick. And we have some great... Uh, rewards for you for being a contributor to the podcast or being a part of it and we really love that you guys are coming back week after week we do this for you i mean we enjoy the hell out of it but we also do it for you so so keep on coming back and uh follow us on facebook where we're getting some more members and we, we talk about i uh, i posted some updates on the dillinger uh exclamation this week we also put up extra stuff related to the episodes i've got a whole bunch of stuff for last week's episodes that i'm going to put on over the next several days but you'll if you're on the facebook group you'll have already seen that by the time this episode airs oh yeah so old timey crimey facebook group just search for us there also old timey crimey or look at the links in the show notes old timey crimey on twitter old timey crimey reddit and i started an instagram Ooh, we just gotta be everywhere absolutely and we're gonna be doing a giveaway real soon uh i know i keep on teasing it but we haven't really worked out the specifics and we're not going to right now because i think we're both like was... who wants a sticker <laughs> yes. yes a little hint who wants a sticker yes so yeah, uh, definitely uh, keep listening and waiting for that, uh, that little giveaway. You could get something free from us. Yay. Yay. And believe me, believe me, 
let your friends know about this show. You know that you have that one friend that's going to love this show. Your history yes. buff with a morbid sense of humor who's going to giggle himself shitless over the fact that Flamo blew himself up. <laughs> Flamo the great. Flamo, Flamo the combustible. And and please, please help us out on the Patreon. Because Christy and I are going to be straight up honest with you. We would love to do this for a living. Yeah, yeah. We, we know that it's down the road. It's down the road a ways. Uh, but yeah, this is this is uh, really it's it's a labor of love right now. Um, eventually, we'd like it to at least be a labor that covers the costs yes. at the very least. So, yes. so yeah, that would be great. Hit up the Patreon. I have a special request. I'm a little bit obsessed with having someone from every 50 of the U.S. states <laughs> listen to us. And so far, we've got 47. So if you have a friend that you know is interested in history and true crime and those wonderful things, and maybe etymology and, you know, exploding <laughs> carnival performers, then <laughs> if that person happens to live in North Dakota, West Virginia, or Rhode Island, and I think maybe Iowa is also one. Actually, so I think it's 46. I think we did figure out that it's four we're missing. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to collect them all. <laughs> if they, if you, if you know somebody in any of those states who would like us, please tell them <laughs> because I'm watching that map, man. I think we got the three hard ones. The three hard ones I feel are are going to be Alaska, Hawaii. And Mississippi, just because it's so fucking backwards. <laughs> Sorry, any Mississippi. Hey, listeners. Mississippi. All right, so that has been our show. Thank you so much for joining us for Spooky Crime, Spring Hill Jack. Last, uh, bleh, next week is going to be our last episode of the Halloween stuff. Mm -hmm. Join us for The Bell Witch. The Bell Witch. I have John Bell. <laughs> Join us for lots of Scott's witch voice that he also uses for Margaret Murray. Yes, uh, that broomstick belongs in a museum. You can't catch me. <laughs> this is the most confusing argument ever over the air, like for a non-visual medium. I'll get you, Bell Witch. No, you won't. We're the same person. <laughs> Who's tackling? You'll never know. <laughs> On that note. Uh, this has been Old Timey Crimey. Thank you so much for listening. And um, just don't jump over nine foot high walls. Don't do it. Don't You'll do break it. your fucking ankle. You will. Unless you're a Nazi, go for it. Yes, yes. Nazis, jump. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Bye. My sources this week are an article by Mike Dash in the Fordian Studies, an article by Jeff Friedman in the Oral History Review, Eric Groundhauser's article on Atlas Obscura, and of course the Spring Hill Jack Wikipedia article. Ooh, Wikipedia for me also. History.com, the rovingapothecary.blogspot.com, and, of course, as again last week, out of this world, the collected tales of the strange and bizarre. <laughs>